Um, but it's good to be at church. Uh, I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm excited about this message. God moved in a really special way in this message. So I hope you came with a heart of expectation. Uh, God loves you, and God sees you, and God is with you. It's a it's such an encouraging word. Um, this this uh, topic we're talking about here today, home alone again, is the message to the idol today. But as I thought about uh, loneliness, I thought um, typically we associate it with maybe someone who's like alone in a room or someone who loses uh, someone they love, and that's that's true. But I discovered loneliness is is much more than that. Uh, One definition is this. It's a state of mind that feels isolated or empty. And I I thought, I like this definition because it says it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. And if you think about that a little bit, we might feel alone when there's certain circumstances around us, like um, a relationship breakup. That's hard. You, You were in a relationship, now it's not happening and now you feel alone. Or changing jobs, you can feel alone. Going into a job, not knowing anyone, that could, you can feel alone in a situation like that. Or going to college and being in that dorm, and, and you're thinking, gosh, I don't know anyone, that kind of thing. Or what about a, a divorce? That, that's, that's a hard thing. Or the loss of a friend group. You used, to, you used to run with this group, and now the friends are not, you know, they're not talking to you, they're ghosting you, whatever it is. Or what about these personal problems you face, like whether it's a, an emotional or mental or health problem, something like that, or, or you feel overwhelmed. You've got a lot going on, and, and you know, it's just overwhelming, and, and feeling overwhelmed you can feel alone in those kinds of situations also. Uh, facing a problem by yourself or being slandered. You can feel alone. You can feel alone. Um, or, or becoming a parent. You know, kids don't come with instructions, right? Especially young, you have young kids and you're like, gosh, I don't feel like anyone. I mean, I feel like I'm drowning over here kind of thing. Or you're battling a private illness or retirement or certainly moving to a new city or state. I remember when Grace and I moved here from Colorado Springs to start Thorn Creek. And I didn't know anything about Thornton. I, I, this was like a, I don't know, it was just different for me. I grew up in a big city, and I was grateful to be by Denver. But I, when we came up here, we didn't know anyone. And I remember I'd go around knocking on doors and talking to people. Hey, do you go to church? And, you know, I learned a lot about people, and it was good conversations. But there was part of me that, like, wanted to close the blinds and just stay home. There was part of me that just kind of wanted to, wanted to hunker down a little bit and, and, and like, you know, this is a lonely place and I don't know anyone and I don't know about this. Um, how about Christmas, not knowing where to go for Christmas? That could be a lonely situation when you look on Instagram or whatever and you see everyone with, with family or friends and they're laughing and they're always posing in these social media pics, right? And they're like, gosh, their life looks so good. And you turn around and you look at you know, your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and glass of milk and that's your Christmas dinner right there. You could feel alone in a crowded room, right? You could feel alone at church. You could feel, you could be married and be in bed with someone, and you can spoon them and feel alone, right? You can, be, you can feel alone in situations at work or wherever it's at. You can, you can feel alone. Um, what do you do when you feel alone? Um, some people turn to alcohol. 
Um, which incidentally, I love the fact that we're right next to a liquor store. I just love that fact because a lot of people turn to alcohol to solve problems or to numb their problems. And I'm so grateful they can just take like, I don't know, like 10 steps to the left and they can find real life. <laughs> I'm just grateful for that. Uh, but um, uh, some people turn to alcohol um, or drugs or whatever it is and, and to kind of numb the situation. Uh, you might go to social media and just scroll and swipe and, and you know, zone out on videos and, and looking at I don't know, the dog jumping up and down through a hula hoop or whatever it is. I mean, you just, we just can do that. Um, you, can, you can numb yourself through other things as well. And ultimately, it might be a video game or something like that. Like, I'm just going to go veg out and play video games, and I'm going to attack the bad guys on the screen, and I'm just going to forget about life a little bit. Um, and even some people get to a certain place, Lord have mercy, where they contemplate taking their own life. Ultimately, that's what the devil would want you to do. Well, if this is where you're at today, let me share some good news. Christmas is coming. Can you believe that, guys? It's just craziness. But I want to share with you a, a prophecy. This is a 700 BC prophecy. And I love this prophecy because I'm still discovering what it means. And it, it, you see it in the New Testament the first time when Joseph hears your woman is pregnant and he hasn't had sex with this, with this woman yet. And he's like, okay. And then she gives this crazy story that it wasn't a guy. It just happened. And the, and Joseph's like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> Joseph's like, yeah, I know how this works. Yeah. Right. Right, Ben. And, uh, and here's, I'm going to pick it at verse 20, uh, Matthew chapter one, Joseph, son of David, um, this is what the angel tells him. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name. What's the name? Because Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Literally means savior. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that's the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, what church? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Glory to God. So here's the message today. God is with you. That's the message we can drop the mic and walk off the stage here. God is with you. It's a powerful word. Turn to the person next and just tell them you're not alone. Can you do that? And then tell them God is with you. Um, <laughs> God is with you. That's, that, that's, that's everything. That's the game changer right there. That changes everything. Uh, God is with you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. You're so good. We humble ourselves before you, and we just, we just need you, Lord. There's nobody else like you. We thank you for uh, being so good to us. You show loving kindness and mercy when we don't even ask for it, and so many times when we're down the wrong road, you're still showing mercy while we're on the wrong road. And Lord, I know there's, these good souls came to church here this weekend to um, hear from you. This is what we want. We don't want to go through the motions of church. We want more of you. 
So God, would you continue to have your way here? And if, if you desire to hear a word from God, would you give him permission and just say, God, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. And God, by your grace, continue to work in me and through me. You know, the crazy night I had, Lord, and I pray you just free me from any distracting thoughts. May your Holy Spirit flow like a river right through me, God. And may I say the things you want me to say. Anoint this message. And be with our kids, young and old, as they're in other rooms learning about you, Jesus. Be with those awesome volunteers who are carving some time out to serve you, God, in those rooms. And be with us, God. I pray for our Christmas Eve services that are coming up, God. I pray it's a great wave of people who are seeking you, God. I pray for people who uh, haven't been at church in a long time, maybe never. I pray that they come here, Lord. I pray that you stir the heart of every person who's online, every person who's in the house right now, God. Give them a name to invite. Give them opportunity to invite. And I pray the, the people who show up, that invitation, I pray it just changes their life, Lord. I pray that people discover that you are the God who loves the broken and heals the broken and uses the broken for your glory, for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I pray that God would give you an opportunity to invite someone. So now it's like a spiritual issue if you don't invite anyone. But uh, here's our services, guys. There's six services. Um, you can take a picture of this. And uh, we, uh, there's a lot of work involved with this. Why do we have six services? First of all, God always brings a great wave, and, and it's the way uh, this church um, continues to grow. It's one of the big evangelistic events. So I want you to think about someone who maybe is not going to church. I'm not talking about a disgruntled Christian. There's a lot of people that are not happy in a church that's super normal. Um, they need to stay at that church and work it out. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who hasn't been in church in a long time or ever. I want you to encourage, I want you to encourage, hey, why don't you come to church and check this out and be a part of it. So on your, uh, right behind your chairs, there's that QR code. So I want you to get out your phone. We need help. If you scan that QR code, it's going to take you to a visitor, not a visitor form, excuse me, like a volunteer form to help out in Christmas Eve services. We still have a lot of needs, so please uh, don't procrastinate any longer. You've, you've held us in suspense long enough. Um, now we need help filling in the, all these needs, and, and uh, again, we're doing all of this for the kingdom. Amen. For the kingdom. That's why we're doing this, because it matters in heaven. So uh, so please scan that QR code in front of you. Uh, Christmas Eve services is not intended for you to be a spectator. It's intended to bring souls to know Jesus. That's what it's intended about. So be a part of that. So, hey, um, um, anybody, anybody ever heard of this band called the Beatles? Do you remember this band called the Beatles? Before Taylor Swift. There was this other group, which I think what Taylor Swift is doing is amazing as a, as a woman, uh, one-woman show kind of thing, uh, which is amazing. So uh, there's a song they, but the Beatles sang way back when. I'm going to talk to all of you who are really old. You know who I, what I'm talking about. Um, here are the lyrics, and you tell me if you know this song. All the lonely people 
where do they come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Anybody know the title of that song? Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. Um, this song highlights stories of people who overwork and then end up feeling lonely. And it ends in this song, there's a story about uh, someone who died and nobody comes to the funeral. And, and I, I thought about this and I thought about the message today um, as, as the Lord opened up my eyes to this idea of loneliness and how we can all experience loneliness. And uh, I, I decided to do some research on this. Did you know there's lots of studies about loneliness. It's like a big deal. Here's one from the U.S. General's uh, office. Um, lacking social connection can increase the risk of premature death as much as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Now, this is feeling lonely. Feeling lonely. Um, and it, it actually affects your health. Another study said it's associated with greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. Now, also, with COVID and all, it didn't help that now the, you know, the talk is, okay, can I work from home, right? I want to land that job. I want to work from home, and I want to make a lot of money, and I want to have flexibility to have vacations and time off, and I want to start whenever I want to start. I want to end when I want to work, and I want to work from my, my home office, and it better pay well. I mean, that's how we kind of think now. Lord, help us. Uh, <laughs> but, but we can stay at home. Uh, you know, when you think about other things, whether it's homeschooling, um, or how about technology? I mean, technology is supposed to help us connect, but the truth is we can now have relationships through our screen, right? I don't have to. And in fact, even when we have these Zoom meetings, how many of you just shut off the camera because you don't want anyone to see you? Yeah, you know who you are. And uh, we're like, I, I just want to be a fly on the wall. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to have any exchange with anyone. And I'm just going to be happy with this kind of thing. Where there's, there's these consequences for having this kind of uh, lack of relationships. Uh, God created us to be in community. God created us to be in relationships. There's all these one another's in scripture, love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, all these things, and that happens through relationships. Here's some good news. You are improving your health just by attending church. Isn't that good news? Just by attending church right now, you're improving your health. You're improving your immune system. Let's go to this prophecy, guys. 700 BC. 700 BC. Uh, the situation is there's, you find this story in Isaiah chapter 7. And in Isaiah chapter 7, you run across this guy named King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of Judah. And, and he, he's facing this situation that's causing him fear and anxiety. He feels alone. He feels powerless. And there's these two other kings, one from Syria and one from Israel. Now, Israel was divided. You know, this comes from Solomon loving foreign women and that whole thing. So it, all, so, uh, it became divided. So the king of Israel is evil. The king of Syria is evil. And these two kings are ganging up on King Ahaz. King Ahaz, you know, he's not perfect by any stretch. But, but they're ganging up on Ahaz. And, and Ahaz sees this problem coming to him. 
These two kings are bigger and stronger, and their nations are bigger and stronger, and he's realizing this is a big problem. In fact, verse 2 says this, the news had come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is allied with Israel against us. So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear like trees shaking in a storm. That's where Ahaz was, fearful, feeling alone. When I read this, the Lord showed me something here. Verse 2 here says it was the it was the news. Did you see that? Oh, let's put that back up. I'm not done with that here, Megan. I want to hang out here. It says it was the news. That's, in other words, it hadn't happened yet. He just heard that it's going to happen, or it might happen, or it will happen. But it was just news. And the news alone was enough to make him shake like a tree. The news alone. And then I thought about that, and I thought, how many times do we kind of freak out when we just hear something might happen? How many times, was that too strong of a word, Uh, become uneasy? Does that make you feel better? Uh, How many times do we have anxiety and stress or whatever it is just because we're thinking about something that might happen? Hear this. When you're left to the theater of your mind, you can create a narrative that evokes fear and isolation. You can, you can get to this place. Oh, let's put that up now, Megan. I'm sorry. Uh, we, you can get to this place where just because of what's going on in your mind, you can convince your something, yourself something is reality. And then guess what happens? You start making decisions in your life based on the narrative of your mind. We convince ourselves all kinds of things just with our thinking alone. You might say to yourself, they don't like me, and this is going to be too much, or I can't do this, or what happens if this happens, and, and, and we get, whatever it is, and we, and we start acting on just the narrative of our mind. And this passage said, they trembled with fear like trees shaking in a storm. Have you ever been so afraid that you're trembling like trees shaking in a storm? You ever been there? You know, here in Colorado, we have these windstorms, right, that come around. And uh, I don't know about you, but I always think about our trees around my house. Do you ever think about And you know what I think about? Which branches are not strong enough to handle the wind? And where is it going to fall if it falls? Is it going to hit my house? Is it going to come on the fence, a neighbor's fence? And where is this, where is this thing going to happen? But the thing about trees, um, you typically ignore the problem until there's a problem. Until that wind starts coming and all of a sudden you're thinking, I don't know if that branch is strong enough. It might be a little too dried out. It might not have the nutrients. It may not make it. And the truth is, all of us can identify with that. Let me ask you this another another way. Um, How much wind can you handle? How much wind can your faith handle? When things don't go your way, or you've been hurt, or whatever it might be, when do you buckle? I think God puts us in situations many times just to expose the depth of our faith, to, to test 
our character. God does that many times. He's going to do, I'm going to test your character and I'm going to allow you to be going, I'm going to allow you to go through something. And let me say it like this. We spend a lot of energy trying to fix the storm, but sometimes our part is to endure the storm. Sometimes it's not about fixing the storm. Sometimes it's just to endure the storm. I thought about, I thought about the disciples famously on the boat with Jesus and they come across this storm. And a lot of them, they're, they're following Jesus because of the miracles, because of all the things he did. And if we're honest, I think all of us like that side of Jesus. I think all of us like that side of he's going to bless you. He's going to give you money. He's going to give you relationships. He's going to give you health. He's going to take care of your future. He's going to fill up your refrigerator. He's going to give you a great job. You're going to have a great lifestyle. Like all of us... All of us are like, yeah, I'm down for that. I like that. But here's what the disciples didn't realize. They were in love with Jesus, the performer. But they didn't understand the power of the presence of Jesus. They were worried about the storm, and they didn't fully realize that they didn't have to worry about the storm because of who was in the boat. You hear that? Because of who was in the boat. They didn't have to have anxiety. They didn't have to worry. They didn't have to do any of that stuff. I think we could look at King Ahaz and be a little bit hard on this guy and think, well, why, why is he worried about these two kings? And, you know, why didn't he just trust God? But there's examples in the Bible of people who have felt lonely. What about this gal named Leah? Leah was the first wife of Jacob. Her sister was the second wife. Her sister was Rachel. Leah always felt that her sister Rachel was loved more, and she was right. Can you imagine the loneliness of competing for love and affection? The loneliness for competing for love and affection. Hagar is another gal. She was uh, the servant of Sarah, who... Uh, bore a son of Abraham. Uh, his name was Ishmael. Sarah's jealousy towards Hagar caused Hagar, her son, to be cast out into the desert. So Hagar goes out with, a, with her son to be out in the desert, and she sits down, and she's alone and without help. Can you imagine the loneliness of being rejected and abandoned? Can you imagine that? Jeremiah is another guy. He's known as the weeping prophet. And uh, he was called by God to speak words of repentance. And he was often rejected. Can you imagine the pain of feeling slandered, criticized, and persecuted by those you are serving? And Elijah is another guy. Elijah is a great prophet of God. God used him to predict a drought and call fire down from heaven and destroy false prophets and did some crazy stuff. But then he got a letter from an evil woman. Evil woman. Remember her name? Jezebel. And look what he says. This is his this is state of mind. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, he sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who've already died. Have you been there before? Have you been there? If that's where you're at right now, I just, I just want you to know that God sees you. I want you to know God loves you. God cares about you. William Secker said, a man may hide God from himself, but he, and yet he cannot hide himself from God. I think about this other woman. She famously touches the hem of Jesus, his garment, his robe. The incredible, I mean, everybody thinks about, oh, this is an amazing miracle. And it is an amazing miracle. She's thinking, if I can just touch his hem. But you know what the problem she was having? She had this uh, physical illness that caused her to bleed. And she was bleeding. You know how many years? 12 years. 12 years. Now, if you understand Old Testament law a little bit, you know that if that's your condition, you are bleeding, you're considered unclean, ceremonially unclean. You know what that meant? That meant she couldn't go to church with everybody else. That meant she couldn't sit where you sat or you couldn't sit where she, where she sat because you would be unclean. That meant nobody could touch her. There was no physical touch, no, no hugs, no handshakes, no fist bumps, nothing. You could not physically touch her at all. She was considered unclean. Could you imagine no physical contact for 12 years? She was alone, and she felt alone. But she heard Jesus was in town, and she said, I don't have to touch his skin. I just got to touch what he's wearing. And if I just touch what he's wearing, I think I could be healed from this. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. King Ahaz was fearful and alone. Verse 7, you keep reading, it says, But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. It will never take place. Now, just think about that. Now, in the theater of his mind, he's convinced this is going to happen. And God tells him, it's never going to happen. Makes me think about all that stuff we worry about, right? We worry about a bunch of stuff. It's never going to happen. You don't have to worry about it anymore. God has your future. Verse 8 says, for Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus, and Damascus is no stronger than its king, Rezin. As for Israel, within 65 years, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria, and Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Ramalia. And then it says this, unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Wow. Isn't that strong? God says, look, you have free will. I'm not going to twist your arm. You've got to choose to trust God. You've got to take a step. You have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in action. I'm going to hold on to what I believe. I'm going to trust my God, and I'm not going to worry about it. Verse 10 says, later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want. 
as high as heaven or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Have you ever asked God for a sign? Have you ever done that? I have so many times. Sometimes my prayer is, God, can you just give me a sign that you're with me? Have you ever said that prayer? Or how about this? God, could you give me a sign of what I should do? Should I take this job or not? Should I go in this relationship or not? Should I go left or should I go right? God, could you give me a sign? And then we kind of start looking at everything, right? <laughs> We're like, I'm reading bumper stickers and billboards and all kinds of stuff. It's like, what is the sign? What is the sign? But God is so gracious and merciful. Here's what I've discovered. If you seek God with all of your heart, you'll find him. You will find him. If you want God, if you're hungry for God, if you want him above all else, you could find him. You could seek him. You can seek him. I remember when we were, uh, I don't know how many years old, five years old or something like that, and the, the church was growing. It's really weird how a church, you know, as a pastor, the church can grow, and you still have questions, you still have doubts, you still have insecurities, you still want signs, all those things. Numbers really don't mean anything. And I was, uh, during those days, I, I said, God, would you give me a sign that I'm anointed by you? That's real important to me. In my life, that's important to me. I want the anointing of God over me. There's nothing else matters. Because the truth is, guys, I can go through the motions and fake it, and we can do a really good Bible study here, and you'll say that was really good Bible study. But I want the anointing of God. That's different. That's different. <clears throat> so I prayed, and I said, God, would you, would you show me that I'm anointed? And I prayed literally for like days. This was my prayer every day, and I didn't let up on it. I think God eventually knew, oh, he's serious. And right around day four or five, maybe it was a full week, I don't remember, but there was this gentleman that visited Thorn Creek Church, and he'd been there for a few times. Then he asked me uh, if he could meet with me. And when people want to meet with a pastor, Pastor hears all kinds of stuff. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be encouraging, discouraging. It could be a compliment. It could be a critique, whatever. I mean, it could be anything. Uh, it could be, I love this church, or it could be, I'm leaving the church. I don't know. It could be anything. But he wanted to meet with me, and I said, all right. And, and uh, while we're meeting, we're talking about, I don't know, small stuff, whatever it is. And then he tell, before he leaves, he says, um, Pastor, I just got to tell you something. Um, I feel led to tell you this. And I said, okay. And then he said, you're anointed by God. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You have more faith than me. You're already applauding. I wasn't there yet. And, uh, and then I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I said, all right, well, God bless you. And he says, no, 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 no. You didn't hear me. You're anointed by God. And I said, well, that's great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And the third time he says, you're anointed by God. And then I heard it, and then I received it by faith, and I heard it. God is so faithful. He will answer your prayers if you seek him with all of your heart. Some of you came to church, and you're looking for a sign, and I want you to know God is with you. God is with you, and that's enough. God is with you. So verse 13, Isaiah says, listen, well, the royal family of David, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my, of my God as well? All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and, and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
incredible. Then I thought about this. There's so many titles for Jesus. Isn't it amazing? One of the titles is Emmanuel, which means God is with you. Think about that a little bit. Why would that be one of the titles of Jesus? God is with you. I want to unpack this just a little bit. Um, the theological word for this is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. It means God is all present. It means he's present everywhere. God is everywhere. And there's no one else like him. Satan, the devil, Lucifer, is not omnipresent. He's a fallen angel. He's not omnipresent like God. He's not even the opposite of God. He's not all-powerful and all-knowing. Charles Spurgeon said this, Although God is present in all time and space, God is not locally limited to any time or space. God is everywhere and in every now. No molecule or atomic particle is so small that God is not fully present to it, and no galaxy so vast that God does not circumscribe it. He's everywhere. Psalm 46.1, David got it. He said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Think about that. Doesn't matter where you're at. Have you ever been on that road? You know, you're traveling Nebraska or Texas or Kansas or whatever it is, and you're on that road trip, and it's in the middle of the night, and to the left you see darkness, and to the right you see darkness, and there's a barbed wire fence over here and a barbed wire fence over here, and you don't see any cars, and your, your tire goes out or whatever it is. In that moment, you can cry out to God because God is with you right there. Or how about you're facing something that's just got you down. You're battling depression and you know you don't want to and maybe you're hiding it a little bit or whatever it is. And it's your struggle and you feel like it's a dark place. And I want you to know you can cry out to God from that place right there because he's a very present help in time of trouble. Or how about you're in that place and you're going down the wrong road and you're at that strip joint or you're at that club or wherever you're at and you're like, nobody knows about this and I know I shouldn't be here, but you're there. I want you to know God is right there with you and you can cry out to God because he loves you and he sees you and he cares about you. Wherever you're at, God is always present, always present. Here's a crazy thought. You are always in the presence of God. I know some of you are like, I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. But here's what blows me away. God sees us completely, clearly. God knows us. And he still wants to have a relationship with us. He still loves us. He still cares about us. He still desires us. He, we are always in the presence of God all the time. Isaiah went on to say, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You know what God is saying? Yeah, 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 I'm in heaven. I'm majestic. 
and I'm present in heaven, but I'm also with the one who has a humble heart. I'm also with the one that has a repentful heart. I'm also with the one that has a broken heart. See, God's not confined to space or time. He can be present everywhere. King David got it. He said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know what David's realizing? Here's what he's saying. You can't outrun God. You can't outrun God's presence. You can't outrun his grace. You can't outrun his mercy. The Lord is with you. He's present. And I love the writer of Hebrews. This is attributed to Jesus. He says this, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm going to tell you, when I came to know Jesus at the age of 18, and some of you know my story, I didn't know Jesus, and I didn't go to church much, and I thought church was full of hypocrites, and, and it is a lot of times. <laughs> but uh, Lord, help us. But um, I said this prayer in my bedroom when Jesus met me after I read the parable of the sower, and I didn't know anything about the sinner's prayer, prayer of salvation. I didn't say that prayer. You know what my prayer was? Oh, I want to put that back up, Megan. Let's leave it up there for a little bit, that verse. Uh, my prayer was, don't ever leave me. This is my prayer. Don't ever leave me, God. It was like that. Don't ever leave me. And, and you know why? And some of you know what this is like. Do you know what abandonment feels like? Some of you know what that's like. My biological father abandoned me when I was seven years old. That one hurt. That one hurt. I remember meeting his girlfriend that he was in an affair with. That hurt. That hurt a lot. And, and my, my grandpa became my dad, and then he died in a horrible accident. And I felt abandoned. So when I was 18 years old in my bedroom, my only prayer was, don't ever leave me. Don't ever leave me. I was 18 years old. Don't ever leave me. And I'm here standing in front of you. And I want you to know this. God is good on his promises and he never left me. He is still with me and he's with you and he loves you. He'll never walk out on your life. I know you've had people walk out on your life. Maybe you've walked out. Well, maybe you've been the one that walked away. But your God is a faithful God. Jesus will never leave you, and he'll never abandon you. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you've seen or the things that you, whatever it is, it, Jesus will never leave you. He'll never abandon you. He loves you and he cares about you. You might think it's too much. The stuff happening in my home is too much. The stuff happening in my marriage is too much. I don't like who I am in the mirror anymore. I've been hurt too much. I'm still bleeding over something that happened 20 years ago, whatever it is. 
Jesus will never leave you or abandon you. He'll carry you through everything that you've gone through. He'll heal you. He'll, he'll, this is next week's message, guys. I, can, I can't tell you everything, but he will heal you and he will take care of you. He'll never leave you or abandon you. He's such a good God. He will never leave you or abandon you. And I want you to know his presence is enough. His presence is enough. People around you may walk out on your life. Those that you trusted may have hurt you. Those that you ran with, you know, the, the ride or die, they're gone. But he will never leave you or abandon you. He's your ride or die. He's your ride or die. That's who he is. He's your ride or die. He will never leave you or abandon you. You know what blows me away? He believes the best in you. He believes the best in me. He sees you and he's like, oh, I'm going to use everything you've gone through for his glory, for his purpose. That's what he does. So all that stuff, all those unanswered stuff, he's with you in the boat. And that's enough. I want you to just lean on that just a little bit. Truth is, like when you see King Ahaz, King Ahaz sees these two other kings coming down on him, Rezin and Pekah. And he sees those guys coming down on him. And you know what he's thinking? I need numbers. I need nations to develop an alliance with me because they're too strong, so I need more strength. And that's the way we think. When we see a problem, we think, well, I need this. I need this drug. I need this to cope through life. I need this to cope through. And I want you to, to take that philosophy and I want you to put it aside. And I want you to hear this. God's presence is enough in your life. God's presence is enough in your life. Lean on God more than you do to a man or a woman. Lean on God more than anything else, more than you do to your job or more than you are to the balance of that, that retirement account. Lean on God more. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know, but you have a God who's with you in the boat and he loves you and he cares about you and he sees your heart and he's with you and he will never leave you or abandon you. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Yeah, put your hands together. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. I think one of the greatest mistakes Christians make in churches is they listen to a sermon and then they think, I sure hope someone else is listening to this sermon. Um, I'm going to tell you a secret. God's not done with you. He's not done with you. I don't care if you've been going to church since the days of Moses. Who cares? We're all in this fight, right guys? We all need God's grace, don't we? I know I do. I'm still growing. If you're farther along than me, well, God bless you. Don't trip on your wings or your halo, okay? I'm not there yet. I need God's grace. 
I felt a little bit of meanness when I said that right there in my spirit. I probably need to be careful. Lord, keep me close to you, Lord. Uh, it'll become another message if I go that direction. <laughs> uh, I want to give you an opportunity to turn to Jesus. Last night when I was preaching this message, I saw the Spirit of God moving, and there was this woman and sitting by her, I'm assuming her son, and she was just like rubbing his back and like trying to encourage him when I was preaching, and I knew God was moving in him, and I never talked to him, and I don't even know if he's come to church before, I, I, didn't, I don't know, I don't know everyone who comes to church anymore, but anyway, so he was, she was just rubbing him, and I was thinking, wow, every soul, every soul needs to know that God is with you, right? It's a game changer. It's a game changer. Every soul. So I want to encourage you to respond to the Spirit of God. If you're not a Christian, and I'm so glad you came to church, way cool. This is the best party you can be at. This is the best place for you to be. Right now, you can invite Jesus into your heart. And I also want to pray for you who call yourself a Christian. Maybe you, you know, memorize the Pentateuch and you're, you have a lot of pride about how much you know. Um, doesn't matter how much you know unless you live a life based on how you know. Unless you love his church. Unless you, unless you die to yourself every day. God, thank you for your presence. And if you're ready to receive Jesus Christ, would you just say this, say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Right now, I want to become a Christian. So I give my life to you. I turn to you. I turn to you hard. Others of you, maybe this message is for you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is with you. And maybe you need to stop chasing other things and stop looking to other things to solve your problems or take away the anxiety or worry or stress. And maybe you just need to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being in the boat with me. I'm going to lean on you in a fresh way. I'm going to trust you above everyone else. You know the storm I'm facing. And I ask you, God, to help me get through it. You know the, the, the season I'm in, maybe you're going through, maybe you're suffering right now. God is with you. God sees you. And God loves you. God, thank you for your presence. Emmanuel, we worship you. It's in your name, Jesus. We pray all this. Amen. And we thank God for his word together. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.